All right, we are back. We recorded in person those first, uh, what's that, hour and 40 minutes, hour and 45 minutes? A cool hour, a cool 100 minutes. Uh, fun. That was really fun. Now we are separated, Seattle to Portland, as we as we spend so much of our friendship, uh, three hours apart from each other physically. And we're doing this over Zoom. And we might take one more session to finish this mega bracket. We might take two. And, you know, we're going to let the universe decide. Or, you know what it's more like? We are going to throw our bouquet of locally sourced uh, wheat, thistles, uh, a handful of actual flowers. From There's the a few succulents in there. <laughs> we're going to throw, su- throw the succulents behind us, like at the, at the uh, bouquet toss. And we're yeah, going to exactly. let the wind and the mood of the participants... The bands. The bands are the participants at the wedding. We're going to let them tell us how long it's going to be. Okay. By who catches the bouquet. That hey. definitely feels what, like what the lead singer of Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros would do. So let's do it. So let's do it. Uh, okay. So we, we were at the halfway point of round one. Round one is like half of the tournament, right? Because it gets less from there. Gets to half each time. So we had gotten to uh, Head in the Heart in Beirut and Head in the Heart went forward so now we are at the second play-in round winner up against uh the number two seed i believe so we've got joseph coming up against lord huron and yes, the, the slightly radioactive joseph after i launched the nukes to get them past damien i used my first veto <laughs> not totally sure why i've glommed on to a, a world-ending nuclear warfare yeah, metaphor but i'm gonna go with it i'm gonna just dark. stick with it so for Lord Huron, we get the, I think, Instagram and TikTok viral hit or whatever, The Night We Met. When the night was full of terror, and your eyes were filled with tears, when you had I've never heard that song. Up against from Joseph, S O S parentheses overboard.
Interesting. Mm. Okay. What? Are, give me your initial thoughts. Pretty different. We've had some very, very similar songs and and artists and even voices. These are very different. Yeah. Male singer, female singer, uh, something that's much, much more pop and driving, and then something that's that's kind of a country western, uh, ephemeral, ethereal country western, sort of like an upbeat Ghost Riders in the Sky kind of a vibe. Let me ask you this. Do you think that Lord Huron are going for a catchy pop song there in, in like mm. dressed a certain way? Or do you think that fundamentally they're going yeah. for vibe? Like, are they going think, for song or going for vibe? Yeah. I think, it, I think if you have to make a call, it's certainly like what I get is as much or more vibe. Yeah. Uh, than songwriting. They're really committed to their aesthetic. There's, there's like a, a consistent through line sort of in, you know, how they, dress and their press photos and the and the album cover art it's got a very kind of modern spin on a wild west vibe cowboy hats etc yeah uh yeah okay let, let's talk about the joseph song first sure i am well let me say this first i'll tell you one thing they have in common in their very conscious production choices, all the mixing elements and the effects, they're both being very deliberate with those effects. Mm -hmm. um, and the reverb they're using on their vocals is very similar, but used in two different ways. But I noticed that I was like, wow, these are really wet vocals like Lord Huron has, like Fleet Foxes usually have. It's interesting because... I think probably in the first verse of that Joseph track, it's more folky, but I usually am going to the second verse to kind of get a more full version of the songs when there's more instrumentation in. And when they add to that acoustic guitar, they're adding pop. It's pop, but it's not like so pop. It's a really kind of actually a nice middle space between like straight pop and more straight, you know, folk songwriting. Yeah, it's interesting. You sent me a message earlier today in which you referenced stems, and I had to go Google and remind myself what those are. The you know the component tracks in a digital recording separated right. out, and you just use the term wet vocals. I have some facility for and sort of familiarity with recording and, and music studio yeah. language, yeah. but you have way more. Uh, and that's just fun. It's sort of like reading a novel and a, and a, talking with you sometimes when we get in the weeds is like reading a novel where you're, you're sort of somebody's trying to think of an, a good example. Somebody's writing about, you know, airplanes or, or using uh sailor language and you don't yeah. know all of it. And it's kind of fun. Cause you're, you're, you're picking things up contextually, but tell me more, like explain to me. Cause I, I hear well, you know a lot what that's of, like before you ask yeah, me the question. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. just watched clear and present danger, yep. which is a 1990 film. And yep. they've got the guy who's like working for the CIA in like the data and computer hacking department. Sure. And so it's funny to watch like this super high tech film film that has literal F-16s flying in it and like so high budget. It looks fantastic. And like the cutting edge hacker at the CIA in 1990 is like, sometimes it's the passwords are their birthday backwards, you know? And it's like, and he's just on this fucking ancient caveman computer and stuff. Dial and so up. It's yeah. like that character in a movie where you're like, okay. And like Harrison Ford keeps looking at him like, I kind of understand what you're saying, but okay, you nerd. That's what it's like. No, it's not like that. It's like, it's, it's not, I guess it's nerdy or geeky if you look at it a certain way, but it's, it's more, 
I don't know. We have that association with technology. Let's not go too far down this road. I want you to explain to me what you hear there a little bit more about the vocals, because what I actually hear to the extent that I have reflexive associations with reverb or what I think of when I think of reverb is like yeah. I hear it on the guitar and the Lord Huron track. But mm-hmm. I, you're, you're saying you hear a lot of it on the on the Joseph vocal. Yeah. Re, so delay is like, bah, 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 right. Bah, bah. Yeah. Reverb's like. It's unbroken. It's not like this, then this, then this, like an echo, like a, in yep. a canyon. Reverb right. is just like, uh, so if, if echo is a canyon and it's coming across, it's, it's bouncing. It's like a sustain pedal on your piano. Yeah. Delay and echo are like that. Reverb is, well, it's more like a, it's more like being in a big concrete tube. You go, mm. psh, or like a grain silo. It's like just concrete, um, but not a wall, like a, a tube where it's just moving around. Anyway, I don't understand the science of it at all, but they both have a lot of that. You know, the Beach Boys have very wet kind of reverby vocals. It's it's in a lot of genres of music as kind of a trope, and it's just interesting they're both doing it. So I'm going to give it to Joseph because I actually think that they are both basically pop songs, and theirs is a better pop song. Uh, That's a great I, chorus. It's a great chorus. That like that could be a Wilson Phillips or a Fleetwood Mac or a Stevie <laughs> Nicks chorus. Totally. If that was a classic Stevie Nicks track, I would believe it. It's great. I mean, they're they're really kind of straining credulity for indie folk a little. You know, definitely they're on the edge for the artists we have. But you know what? It does start there, and if it develops out, I'm I'm into it. So Joseph just showing up. Judicious with their use of harmony, like they don't go over the top. And if you've seen them live, it's it's the whole game. It's like it's just three women, you know, these three sisters. I saw them do an entire show with an acoustic guitar and like a stomp box and their voices. Yeah. So you would think they'd kind of be tempted to just be all Baroque with the harmonies and just constantly be doing it. But they're pretty I mean, this is a studio recording, so they yeah. can afford to be. But they're like, yeah, pretty judicious. So let's talk about Lord Huron. I really like the first Lord Huron record, Lonesome Dreams. Yep. In that fact, was my first intro to them as well. Yeah. In, in fact, the cover is literally art hanging on the wall at our house. Uh, we have a couple of these like LP things. You can frame them. And that's a great one to hang as art. There's no words on it. It doesn't say Lord Huron. It's just this cool, vibey, very like, yeah, like old Western, but with like a California Beach Boysy edge to it, and it's a very cool niche that they and they they're still in it. Like that that song we heard, which is more recent, totally fits in. But let's play one more song of theirs. There's only going to be a handful of these bands, like five or six of them. That as we say goodbye, we're going to play one more track. Otherwise, it's going to get crazy with 32 artists. But let's hear th- what we would have heard next, which is Ends of okay. the Earth. Oh yeah. Wanna be the first you arrive No time for pondering why I'm wondering on where we both should fly To the ends of the earth would you follow me There's a world that was meant for us to see To the ends of the earth would you follow me Oh, have a sight like a person 
I love later. They do like it really is mostly kind of old, like 1930s Western films vibe, except Completely. for that reverb yes. that they are drenching like it's the Beach Boys. And yes. that is, I think, that that's kind of where they stand kind of alone. I'm not thinking of another band on this list. I mean, Flea Foxes, I guess. No, but Flea Foxes are not just doing 1930s Western. They're more, he's more kind of wide open sonically oh, and genre yeah, wise no, and stuff. So it's really a, interesting. They're 1430s medieval. <laughs> we'll talk about them later. My, my thing 1430s. with them, my, my thing about Lord Huron is, and I'll try to describe this, but there's, there's in some sense uh, a distinction you can make between two kinds of artists or two kinds of songwriters. Maybe I mentioned this when we were talking before a few days ago, first first installment. Songwriters who have a really wide range over which they can, and I'm really talking about chord structures, song structures, essentially ideas. Okay. And then there's songwriters who tend to be, uh, they just you know fall into ruts. They write the same kinds of songs. It's really a lot of it comes down to the same kinds of vocal melodies. Lord mm -hmm. Huron are squarely, unfortunately, in this latter camp. Camp too. Sometimes those are great artists. Like I, I'm okay with that. Like I'll take an Anne Berlin. They they've got kind of one speed plus acoustic, which is one one B. You know, and that's right. and that's fine. Like I'll give me another Anne Berlin record. I'm gonna listen to it. I hear you. It's not. It's not a moral failing, but it's yeah. kind of like a Ramones and then The Clash. It's like they're both yes. they're both really good. Great the Ramones kind of do one thing. The, the Clash, they kind of can kind of do a lot of things. And well, I'm not even saying how many things Joseph can do. I'm just saying Lord Huron kind of does one thing. Yeah. They watch, <laughs> they smoke weed, they watch the ballad of Buster's Drugs, <laughs> and they write a song. Oh my gosh. Well, I'll tell you what Joseph just did is they earned your veto. Come on. They are Come they on. are Private Ryan at the end of Saving Private Ryan <laughs> asking his wife or to tell him he's a good man. Why they earned it? Why is Damien Dorado like Tom Hanks lying dead in a ditch somewhere? It's because <laughs> Joseph had to go on to defeat Lord Huron. <laughs> oh Damien, my gosh. Damien, Damien didn't make it out of the Battle of the Bulge. Damien Dorado Turns out he was an English teacher, and I'm sorry, Damien, but the betting pool is over. You've been buried, and Joseph is now dancing on the radiation-soaked grave of Lord Huron. <laughs> okay, next up. This is actually the straining cadrulity uh, matchup of the first round. These are, or the, uh, barely on the edge here, but we're going to give it to him. Elliot Smith versus Kings of Convenience. Although for Kings of Convenience's sake, they really are a folk band. It's it's just that when they add other things, it's like kind of other world folk musics, like Beirut to a lesser degree, you know, a little bit more Spanish stuff going on or or yeah. whatever with their guitar work. So that's cool. That's actually another kind of a fun angle on folk. But first, we're going to hear from Elliot Smith and also from uh, the Royal Tenenbaum soundtrack. This is Needle in the Hay. Head down to toes, a reaction to you You say you know what he did But you idiot kid, you don't have a clue Sometimes they just get caught in the eye 
so haunting. Ooh, up against Mrs. Cold by Kings of Convenience from Declaration of Dependence. Hey, baby, what's going on? You lost control and you lost your tongue. You lost me, deaf in my ear. Nothing you can say is gonna change the way I feel. Okay, I get it. Okay, I see. You were fronting because you knew you'd find yourself vulnerable around me. Okay, I get it. Okay, I see. I stepped too close to your boundaries. You wanna nobody around to see. That track is making me so happy. Kings of Convenience. But I also feel like the minute that I not, that I would say that that's better than the Elliott Smith track, that's the day that Gen Z has won. And that Gen what? X, that Gen X's like brilliance and what they brought to the world oh in my. contra to the boomers is oh, like no on. longer the most beautiful thing. These guys and are in like their mid forties. No, it's not about them being Gen Z. It's about like the dream of Gen X dies, which means that Gen Z has won and the boomers have won when that happens. That really it's about Tommy Bahama shirts That's and like getting a, a tiki oh drink. Oh my gosh. It's Come on. not guy about whose favorite, guy whose Kurt favorite Cobain band is Beach Boys. <laughs> Dude, That's yeah. I'm I, how, why are you conflating Gen X and the boomers? Well, no, no. Gen X is against the boomers. So Gen Z and the boomers wins, like in the sense of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Oh my gosh. <laughs> These are three very distinct generational instantiations of music subculture. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, the point is what just- What makes you associate no, okay. Kings of Convenience with Gen Z? No, it, it's more that you're I- You're saying associate, anybody no, who's Elliot not Smith Gen X. Is right. Gen, yeah, yeah, is Gen X. He's so Gen that's, X, that's right. what it is. Yeah. I associate him, like him and, you know, Kurt Cobain, like these are like the quintessential yes. Gen X songwriters. And what I'm saying is this. Um, Dan, what are you I saying? I love that Kings of Convenience song and I love that band. Um what what it's going up against, what's interesting about the tournament thing is that now I have to think about these things in conjunction with each other and over and against each other. And it's interesting sometimes when you juxtapose things, what that brings out. Like it makes me think about why and when I listen to some music at some times and other music at other times. And sort of like, what is music, what actually role is it playing moment to moment in my life? What's it, what's it buttressing? What's it chafing against? And the Elliott Smith thing, what that song does, like what I hear in that song, is this incredible confluence of like his mental state and emotional life and the specific like recording technologies he is employing and the timbre of his voice and the, emo you know, the sort of it's an all in piece of art that is inseparable from what happened to him because it was inseparable even then, like just the kind of person he was before he ended his own life. And it's, it's so, uh, I felt just like submerged in Elliot Smith's world when I was listening to that track, 
when I listen to Kings of Convenience, I'm like, these guys are fucking professionals. They are just like, you are in good, steady hands with these guys. That's different. That's a very different product. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know that I agree with all of it, but I I hear what you're saying. And I also do agree with some of it. I've, I've, I'm thinking of a lot of things. I think two, two points here. One, I love seeing you squirm on the hook like I've squirmed on the hook and every guest has squirmed on the hook uh -huh. because you love to sit where I'm sitting now and say, hey, it's just about what you hear I right know. now. I know. And every, per every person who's actually trying to decide is like, well, I can't throw out all of these other associations or right. not like reference them. Uh, so let me bring you back. I mean, to the extent that you want to abide by the uh, constitutional monarchy that you have set up, the rules supposedly are how you hear the song tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Song versus song, not Elliot Smith's. No, I know. Uh, you know I'm just Cave talking about the songs. Versus an entire generation of human beings. Yeah. Just, 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 just two songs. The okay. other thing which okay, relates yeah. is just, let me say this is I, what does music do for me? And I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Music, one of the things music does, especially after you've listened to any given piece of music and you're just even, you know, one day out from that experience that then becomes, and it only, it only grows over time. Vehicle serves, uh, music rather serves as a vehicle for memory. Hmm. So yeah. when you hear these songs, I mean, you know, the Royal Tenenbaums is, like a big shared movie between me and my wife. It's a movie that we watched when we started dating, when we were teenagers. It's so I, you know, when I hear that particular Elliot Smith song, I'm thinking of watching the Royal Tenenbaums on Richie's couch. You're or, thinking of Richie. You or know, I'm thinking of yeah. looking deeply into, you know, a mink coat clad Gwyneth Paltrow's eyes. Right. Yeah. And then when I hear Kings of Convenience, I think about my senior year college dorm room. Yeah. But what do you, I mean, where do you go? Where do we go from here, Dan? Okay. Well, I'm I'm gonna give it to Elliot Smith. Okay. And here's what I want to say I'm about that. Kind of sorry to hear that, but I'm not gonna veto you. Okay. All right. I think that what's interesting is that when I'm doing these tournaments, I don't tend to think of music in a uh, hierarchical way, like a competitive way, like the way that Bill Simmons very clearly naturally thinks of things like who's got the belt. Who's on the Mount Rushmore? He's always thinking, well, now we've got a case for Steph to be in the Mount Rushmore. Earlier, he was number five, number six. That is like how he sees the world. I don't see music that way. I really don't. I, I might see movies that way a bit more. Like, what's Tarantino's best movie? I think about, or even, I might think about ranking albums by a band I love. But I don't think in terms of bands against each other, really. And Except for the recurring uh, sudden death, single elimination, celebrity deathmatch music tournaments you run over and over for your podcast. Oh, that's what I'm saying. So doing those, like even for me, it's not about the competition. It's more about, it's fun for me as a podcaster. I think it's like a cool structure. It, uh, it keeps totally. things moving. It provides it all these opportunities to talk. Mechanism, yeah. I actually rarely think about the actual competition of it. But what's been really... What I've noticed now, having done maybe like 15 of these or so, is that there are these artists that you know beforehand, like you recognize that you love them and that maybe more other people love them than love some of these other bands or whatever. You know that it's important and special, but the the to pitting against you. Yeah. And, and, to, and to you, you know that like, oh, that's a special group. 
but like, why did Sufjan win 2000s indie? Like some of these artists, when you pit them against others, you go, oh my gosh, like no wonder everybody talks about Elliot Smith the way they talk about Elliot Smith. That's what I was thinking listening to it of like, yeah, it's truly special. That that has been fun. And that's what I was experiencing listening to Needle in the Hay. So that's why I'm giving it to that song in the it's moment. A, it's a great song. It's so atmospheric and emotional. Yeah. So uh, that would be it for Kings of Convenience. I mean, I, I love them. Sorry, Kings. I love see Homesick. Like, see great guys. Real clean cut. <laughs> Scandinavian. Never hurts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can live with that. There are four more great songs by them on the playlist. A deserving listener, if you want to shuffle it out in the show notes. So next up, Gregory Allen Isaacoff, who is shockingly popular with like 6 million monthly listeners or something on Spotify up against M Ward, who's some, we, it's more his kind of folky kind of tunes that are acoustic guitar based. And, you know, he definitely, Definitely does that as well as a bit more indie pop. So from Gregory Allen Isaacoff, here is Big Black Car. Well, you were a dancer and I was a rag. The song in my head was all that I had. Hope was a letter I never could sign. Well, love was a country we couldn't defend. about a circus <laughs> something like that up against kind of a heavyweight this is for beginners by m ward from hold time when you tumble upon that valley shark a sparrow line the stairs when the arrows start descending then they scatter everywhere on a bookshelf in Caledonia Sits a map of passageways Best to stumble upon Mount Zion To behold the natural gates Aha Aha They say the original sinners Interesting. I want to hear your thoughts first. Again and again, I keep finding myself focused on the on the vocals, the quote unquote performance, but just the the sound of the person's voice and what it evokes. And there are even fewer artists, hardly any artists I really that I didn't. He might be, in fact, the only artist I was pretty much totally unfamiliar with when you advocated for putting him on the list. Gregory Allen Eiskov. Yeah. So I don't have yeah. any like emotional resonance. Um, I mean, I would give that one to M. Ward. I mm -hmm. I feel like that song has an energy that somehow resonates. I don't know that how it it's, it feels like a very subjective case though. When I heard Blake, Big Black Car, I was like, oh, I guess I get why this guy's really popular. He has a very striking voice and yeah. um, 
just kind of like a seriousness to that song, yes, I think. Sure. That was landing, but then the chorus didn't really get me. The chorus felt yeah. a bit meandering, a uh, very cool verse. And so I'm going to dock it for that. And I love for beginners. I mean, that's the first track on hold time, right? It's just such a cool intro to that record. That record is really strong. So, all right. M Ward is going on and we will. M Matt Ward. And Gregory uh, can uh, cry himself to sleep with his (laughs) streaming royalty checks from (laughs) bazillions of listeners. Okay. Next up, Fleet Foxes. Versus Glenn Hansard. Okay. All From right. Fleet Foxes, we get Oliver James. On the kitchen table that your grandfather didn't make, you and your delicate kid away will slowly clean his face. And you will remember when you rehearse the action. Oliver James washed in the rain No longer Okay, and that's up against the song that kickstarted a music career, Falling Slowly from the film Once, um, performed by Glenn Hansard and Marqueda, who was, I think at one point, his wife and was in the swell season with him, and then maybe they got divorced. And she's also the actress in the film. Uh, tabloid stuff ready to go. Here's falling slowly. And moves that take me, and erase me, and Will you have suffered enough and ward with yourself? This is this is a little bit tough. I use my pinch hitter. Okay, interesting. What's the other one that's not the gladiator? The rain delay. How does that work? Uh, Rain delay is they both get their next track. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I I don't know if I actually need to do that because Mm -hmm. let me let me talk through it. This is a tough difficult one. Yeah. So falling slowly. That song is brilliant in that film because it solves a very difficult problem, which is it would be so cool to have two people fall in love by, by writing a song in real time together and finding uh, that, that ability to harmonize. That is then a metaphor for their greater, wider love for each other, right? Such a cool idea to put that in a film, but there's a problem. How can the song, the song has to be very simple because like it would be like, 
if walk hard did this scene, they would go right into like, it would be fucking like <laughs> a jazz song. It'd be like, or I don't know. It'd be like something really hard, like scorpions. And all of a sudden the other person goes, bam, 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 bam. Like they just immediately know where they could never know what the other person is doing. Right. That would be the joke version because in real life, it'd be hard to to do that and it, for it to be believable. So it's, it's handcuffed for the film. It, it's perfect in the film that is just simple enough, but just beautiful and pretty enough. And the lyrics are almost childlike and, you know, it's so perfect on the record. You, if you think of the movie, then it feels really powerful, but it, it is a very, very simple, almost like achingly painfully simple, basic composition, Mm. quarter note melodies. You know, it's like, but, just it's like a metronome um, with, with no sort of rhythmic differentiation or, or interest. Here's the problem. Oliver James is like in like the, I don't know, 30th percentile of Fleet Fox's songs to me. It's, Ah. I like the verse that the way he sings no longer kind of bugs me. And I don't know. It's, I like it. I I don't tend to skip it, uh, but it's not on like my favorite songs playlist. That has a lot of tracks from that record and other records. Yeah. Why don't you tell us why you chose Oliver James? Yeah, it's it is in my top five, so I put it on here. Yeah. I it it might be it's probably not literally the first Fleet Foxes song I ever heard because I do think I listened to the Sun Giant EP when it came out before the debut right. eponymous full length, but it's one of the first songs of theirs that I remember hearing. And I was just, when I first discovered them, whatever this would have been, circa 2008, 2009, um, while living in Seattle, where they're from, I was just so taken with his voice and with this, yeah, just the, just kind of the power and confidence of his voice, given his age. In some ways, I guess, kind of a Phoebe Bridgers dynamic where it's like, how can someone who is like 21 play the guitar? as well and sing and write as well as this guy. I mean, this guy is a true, it's like he's 21 and you're like, you can be, you know, you can be Crosby stills and like, you can do this till you're 80 and people will pay to fill concert halls. You have it, whatever it is. So that for some reason, I'm, I feel like in hindsight, yeah, it is an interesting choice or it's a little bit of a tough choice insofar as if you know anything about them, like most, most of their songs are not just him playing with an acoustic guitar. Although I think that's very powerful. So you're not getting any of the full band effect there. Uh, but I just, I just find it to be a really beautiful song. Uh, also very simple, but, uh, a, a really kind of, kind of an example. He does this a lot, but an example of where on that chorus, he just kind of, he just really belts it out. And I love it when he does that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah that song and Meadowlarks yeah. both kind of have a similar vibe from that particular record. Mm-hmm. Just the guitar, just the vocals, very strong. I feel a bit distraught because I I just love both of these artists and had not grasped in a in a in a uh, flyover of the initial bracket that they were going to go head to head. Somebody mm-hmm. some part of Ben is going to go home crying right now. Yeah. Well, I think that I'm not grading this on the song in the movie. I'm grading it on how I hear it right now. And even though it's not a top Fleet Foxes song for me, it's still a Fleet Foxes song, and it's still Robin singing. And the production choices and the arrangement choices are so much more interesting to me. I'm just so glad that such a such a detailed musical mind 
makes these records and also happens to love the Beach Boys. That really works out well for me. So Fleet Foxes is going to go on, but okay. really strong showing Glenn Hansard. Glenn. Glenn reminds me so much of my friend Josh Fox, who I think you might also know. Just he in looks a, sense. a lot like Josh Fox. <laughs> they do kind of look, kind no. of look alike. <laughs> They're both like tall, bearded men around the age of 50. Similar face shape, are, too. You know, Whatever. acoustic troubadours and yeah, songwriters yeah. who can go into this mode where they strum their guitar incredibly powerfully. If you've uh -huh. ever seen him, he's got like a Willie Nelson relationship with his guitar where I think mm. he's had the same guitar for forever and it's got a hole in it because he strums it so hard right above the sound hole. There's like another hole that he's chipped out with his pick. Wow. Glenn answered. Yeah. But yeah, just like a workman, a workman like Irish, uh, you know, he was in this band called the frames, Irish songwriters, been right. doing it for decades. Really. If you ever get a chance, the final thing I'll say is there's, there was some kind of documentary that came out or when they were still together, when he and Marketa were still together I don't even remember exactly what the angle is. It's not about the movie, but it's but it basically just has a lot of I think interviews I saw that. with him. Did yeah. you do, do you remember the scene where he's talking to his mom? There's like a whole scene where he has a bunch of people over and they have like dinner and then they kind of do Irish folk songs around his dinner table. Okay. It's been after I think it's after years, that probably. scene. Yeah. yeah, me too. So at some point in that same house, as I recall, or around a kitchen table, he's talking to his own mom. And they're talking about the idea of like, will someone remember you or will someone remember your music? And she's like, basically like, that's important. And he's like, why is that important? Just kind of like, I'm doing this now in the moment for the people who hear it while they're alive. It doesn't matter if anybody remembers me. It doesn't matter if anybody hears this song. And I remember at the time not feeling as settled in that question mm -hmm. or more insecure as an artist. And I was, it was really interesting and poignant window into just this kind of very visceral primal aspect of his self-understanding as an artist. So he, he's someone I really like bunch of songs. We're not going to get to hear, which is a bummer, but good on you, Glenn. Way to go. May buddy. the wind be ever, <laughs> there's some Irish blessing I should give now. May the wind be ever <laughs> at your back. <laughs> uh, that was very beautifully said. And yeah, he does seem to have that almost like if he had to, he'd be busking kind of an energy. Oh, he to would him, be out. Yes, right? totally. Great way of putting it. He doesn't have to though, because he's that good. But like he would be, even if he were worse, kind of a thing. Uh and you yeah, that's that's something I deeply, deeply respect. Speaking of deeply respect, here's an artist <laughs> for whom I have publicly uh pledged to get a tattoo. This is oh, my gonna word. be Bonavare who's gonna go up against Nico Case. We start with Restacks from For Emma Forever Ago by Bonavare. fucking rush to get anywhere taking his time playing it cool justin okay up against i wish i was the moon by nico case <laughs> i wish i wasn't up against i wish i wasn't up bon against bonavere yeah 
Pioneer creo que es. I don't know her music very well. I really like the instrumental vibe there with that accordion going. That yeah. was a that was a mood and it was working for me. Uh chorus, not again, not as strong as the verse really. Yeah. Wanted yeah. like I was like, I am ready to fall in love right now if this chorus is what I hope it'll be. And it wasn't quite that. Um I'm gonna need to add some Nico Case to my listening history, but I it's not gonna be Bonavera restacks. I mean, it's it's, no. it's not going to do it. Um, but wow, really color me impressed, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to dive in on her stuff. Just the just the most diplomatic way of describing what just happened, which was that Nico was paddling a small dinghy through a thick fog, and an aircraft carrier suddenly came out of the fog and just crushed her small boat. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. <laughs> No. It's like when you go to a high school graduation and and the kid that you're there to see is like the kid after the most popular kid in the school and everybody's just going crazy and screaming uh, and you're like, just quiet down. Everybody quiet down. I want to hear, you know, Phil's name. You kind of have to gear yourself up as the listener to be like, I just heard an incredible song. I now need to give this next song a fair hearing. Is that even possible? Yeah, I, it's I, hard. I thought it held its own pretty, pretty well uh considering what it was up against but yeah those those vibes and that verse were not enough to unseat bonavere okay next up the avid brothers versus ryan adams and ryan adams into that kind of americana uh category there's you know there's some looseness here some of his stuff is folk sometimes it's country sometimes it's americana you know yeah. he's he's playing around here we get i in love and you from the avid brothers okay that woman, she's got eyes that shine Like a pair of stolen polished dimes She asked to dance, I said it's fine I'll see you in the morning time Oh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn To which Brooklyn replies, sure, as long as you've got 5200 bucks a month for a studio apartment. <laughs> You're welcome here anytime. 
as long as you've got a tarp to sleep in in Prospect Park, you are welcome anytime. <laughs> it's literally, it's public land. Uh, up against Dear Chicago by Ryan Adams from Demolition. Dear Chicago, you never guess. You know the girl you said to me someday. Well, I got something to confess. She picked me up on Friday. Asked me if she reminded me of you. I just laughed and lit a cigarette Said that's impossible to do My life's got in simple sense And the fluctuates so much Happy and sad and back again We're not crying now too much But think about you all the time It's strange and hard to deal Think about you lying there And those blankets lie so still Nothing breathes here in the cold Nothing moves or even smile I've been thinking some of suicide But this bar's out here for miles Sorry about the ever kiss Hmm. Okay, I'm in a bit of a pickle here. On the one hand, the Ava Brothers song doesn't really speak to me. I would say their music doesn't generally speak to me, but sometimes it is very fun and catchy. I like the song Kick Drum Heart. I like the song Die, Die, Die. Uh, those are fun tracks, but it's like they're the. I don't know that it's an affectation. Maybe it is. They grew up loving, you know, old American folk music, and they they just really love to be like almost like with a slightly different recording. They could be advertising like a ten cent shoe shine or something. They were they went to the same junior high in suburban Scottsdale that Lord Huron did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were raised on like. Uh, early westerns, uh, like silent pictures, and uh, you know, ragtime music, and I don't know, the depression, I suppose. Um, but the but like to vote for to to feel like I must vote for Ryan Adams feels a little bit like Seth Rogen must feel if interviewers ask him about James Franco and their <laughs> their lifelong work together, because you know Ryan Adams has been. Pretty pretty well and canceled. Are you? Do you know the about that stuff? Yeah, yeah. And secondary to that, I I've just never been a huge Ryan Adams fan. Like I like a few songs. Um, we won't get to his Wonderwall cover, which is third. Uh, we could talk about it though. Pe- some people love that cover. I don't like covers that deviate from the original melodies. So. I don't even really know many of the details about his cancellation, except I think Phoebe Bridgers was a part of the whole thing. Um, so I don't, I don't even, I had, didn't pay that much attention, but I know a few years ago, you know, there was a whole thing, but it's not like, I, I don't really, I'm not that big of a fan. Like there are a handful of tracks of his that would have really been a tough competition for me, but this isn't necessarily one of them. Um, I really like uh, from, Heartbreaker. Wait, are you about to play another track? No, I'm just saying I love to be young is to be sad is to be high. Oh, you're looking through. Yeah, that's a that's a rad song. Um, you know, I I like a I love his t- Taylor Swift record. That's actually the Ryan Adams I listen oh, to the most. So I am the wrong about that one. Ryan Adams fan, basically the wrong kind of fan. Like it, musically, you know, I don't I'm not the cool one. So even though like I, my entire life has been lived watching talkies. Um, I'm, st- I'm still going to give it to the Avid brothers. They, they're obviously super talented and they do 
a thing really effectively. It's usually not so much for me, but that's a really competent song. And it's more interesting to me than Ryan Adams. He does have a really beautiful voice, but mm-hmm. there's something about, it does feel a little bit like an af- like affectation to me with him. Like he's performing really? a, a little bit, like he's performing a certain kind of country singer. Uh, and maybe that's how, how all country sounds to me. And that's why I don't like it as much that it, that might actually just be like a genre problem where like you are inhabiting this role of troubadour kind of a thing. I don't know. Maybe that's not what's going on, but it's not like a huge win, but like 55, 45, Avid brothers, I guess is what I'm saying. For me, dear Chicago is a song. It's a really interesting song in that it's got an interesting format, essentially no chorus, kind of a long, it's like a poem almost, yeah. sung poem. I find it a really, a really wonderful lyrically, really, you know, kind of a uh, dark, angular, kind of gritty, noir uh, love That's cool. song adjacent kind of lyrical vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, <laughs> if it weren't for the sort of sociopolitical and cultural situation, I'd be like, yeah, I think I, I probably need to like uh, put a little more time in on my Ryan Ryan Adams listing. But it's like, where's the what's the upside now in saying yeah, that? Yeah, I really like I'm I really want to hear more about that because that's if we take let's take. I mean, it seems I would assume that we're on the same page about this basic. Let's 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 sort of bracket our starting point. Ryan Adams did some things that were just straightforwardly wrong. Yeah. Uh, some of which, as I understand it, I just don't even want to get that much into what we read or what we obviously we don't know the players personally. But like yeah. we, we both read some stuff. My my memory is that like on on some level, he admitted to some of it. Um so it's like there's this established fact, Your Honor. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if the sent if we're now, you know, being in the sentencing phase is quite the right metaphor, because I feel like it's more than if we just sort of bracket that and it's like this happened. So then but then what does that mean for us as listeners who either do or might appreciate his music? What I hear you saying is some version of I I can't or I shouldn't like it or even listen to it because of this thing that he did at one point in his life. I think it only feels that way. It only feels strongly that way because I'm not a big fan to begin Mm. with. I think it would be, I think I would have more internal, like if, if I actually sold myself, I shouldn't listen to his 1989 album. Like I shouldn't give him any royalties. I would, I I would be like, yeah, but but all I had to do was stay like, it's like a fraction of a cent each time I listen to it, you know, to him. It's like, I don't know that I want to give up that song and some other songs on that record, but generally speaking, I'm just not that invested in him. So it doesn't feel like a big cost to just like, well, we'll just avoid that one. We'll find something else to listen to. Um, whereas if I really loved the artist, then I would be much more yeah. t- torn about it. I'm sure. Right. I mean, this is a part of my never meet your heroes kind of a thing. And of yeah. course you have no control over what you learn about your, your heroes. You didn't have to meet him, right? Yeah. Which I was, yeah, you can't avoid learning things that are in, in the news. I remember, right. yeah, I won't even reference other people, but it's like you, it's going to happen throughout life. People whose work you did really have a strong connection to will oh, yeah. be like, oh, bummer. That person turns out to not seem so wonderful. Yeah. I think it's really, it's really complex. I'm very sympathetic to 
just the, I think, kind of knee-jerk, understandable, just kind of reflexive reaction to, you know, the sense that the work is somehow affected or tainted once you've learned that, whatever it is, about whoever it is. And I also, I don't know if now's the time to talk about it. There's, you know, I, I have some pretty strongly held beliefs about the sort of the separation of the author from the authorial intent, the yeah. artist and the making of meaning. If the artist is not standing next to you in the gallery to explain to you what the painting means, you're going to make of it what you will. Yeah. And if you hear yeah. that Ryan Adams song, et cetera, I don't know, this is, this is kind of adjacent, but um, I really like, I like Ryan Adams. So give me your, give us your final, your final rendering. It's going to go to Avid brothers for the creativity of it. You know, I think if I knew the song better, I might, you know, lyrics might be kind of hitting me yeah. in a different way, but I don't, I don't, you know, it's, so it's not on this first listen, you know, I'm not like kind of baptized into the, the story of the song. Yeah. So I'm giving it to the Avid brothers. Um, Do you hear that sound? No. Uh, somewhere out in the plains of central Missouri, the silo doors are opening <laughs> And <laughs> I am launching veto number two. Oh, okay. The nukes, the nukes are airborne. Uh, Nikita Khrushchev is sitting here next to me <laughs> with his hand on the second key. I have slapped the red button and Ryan Adams is moving forward because okay, he has some other material we need to hear. Okay. All right. Well, we don't, we can, we can be done talking about the Avid brothers. Next up, of Monsters and Men, Iceland's own, versus Blitz and Trapper, Portland's own, I believe. Yeah, you might be right. I think so. Here is Little Talks by Of Monsters and Men. I'm walking around this old and empty house. So hold my hand, I'll walk with you, my dear. Stars creak as you sleep, it's keeping me awake It's the house telling you to close your eyes And some days I can't even trust myself It's killing me to see this way Cause though the truth may bury this ship will carry on Okay, up against <laughs> Fur by Blitz and Trapper. So I took her by the arm, we settled down upon a farm and raised our children up as gently as you please. And now my fur has turned to skin. And I've been quickly ushered in to a world that I confess I do not know. But I still dream of running careless through the snow. Through the howling winds that blow across the ancient distant flow that fill our bodies up like water till we know. Okay, really interesting. Hell yeah. What's going on there is similar to what the Avett brothers are doing and Lord Huron is doing. They're conjuring a specific thing. 
But the thing they're conjuring is better. <laughs> they are not uh, standing in front of a cardboard set of the American West. They're down in a bog somewhere with a bunch of bullfrogs, like actually singing. They're pinned down by Navajo gunslingers. I mean, in the ravine, <laughs> like they're fucking in it and it really works. <laughs> oh, <fine. laughs> They're in a knife fight with several Iroquois warriors. <laughs> oh my gosh. Dude, can we just immediately talk about how many unbelievable different kinds of parallels there are between that of Monsters and Men song and the Edward Sharp song that we listened to? It's like the same song. It's, but it's a, but the thing about of monsters and men is it's kind of lowest common denominator. It's not as good. It's very it's broad. Like, it's, it's broadly a, it's, appealing. Oh my gosh. Back and forth between male and female vocalists. Yeah. That's good. trumpet. That, yeah. that, it's like the same tempo. It's a, Hey, component. Then it's There's got, like, a, Oh my gosh. They've got like five yeah. things going on. But They're it's like a same. bad version of it. Like where yeah. Ed, Edward yeah. Sharp is the, that's the real Laurel Canyon article, you know? And then this is like oh, man. a weird, but, but then by being a bad copy it uh, and being simple, it then is like, oh, this is a super palatable. And now we're in Lumineers territory, essentially. That's kind of where that lives for me. So that's just not competing at all. Uh, that no. Blitz and Trapper song wins by a mile. That Blitz and, and Trapper song was epic lyrically, dude. dude. You better be sure if you're going to make God a liar. Oh, okay. Yeah. So cool. Uh, and that's like the kind of, that's the kind of line you'd want in like a Clint Eastwood film. You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? I love it. Okay. Next up. Final, final okay, matchup of round Almost one. through round one. Iron and Wine versus Andrew Bird. Oof. From Iron and Wine, we get Naked As We Came. Birds are leaving over autumn's end And one of us will die inside these arms Eyes wide open Naked as we came One will spread track up against andrew bird sisyphus take my hand will let the rock roll let it roll let it crash down low there's a house down there but i lost it long ago Such a cool, weird track. Yeah. I've never heard that before. Me neither. I kind of, for him, I just, I feel like I went off some of the more popular songs because I'm not as familiar with his track, uh, his uh, discography. I really like that. I I don't. I did too. 
I don't like that I have to give it to Iron and Wine. I do, though, because Naked As We Came is like, I mean, it's like a stick of golden melted butter, you know. It's very, very solid track. It's like, it's not only a solid track, it is the platonic form of a certain kind of folk music. Hushed it folk music. Hushed is such a great term. No one does that better than him. No, Certainly not of like contemporary artists like he's and he hasn't kept doing that all the time he he doesn't he has never really gone back to that like really bedroom recording it's it shares a lot with the elliot smith recordings um very simple you know guy recording in his bedroom on a it's on a, a higher track production vibe. value than elliot but it's higher production value. well his first record was, was lo-fi but then he so they made it a little hi-fi, more hi-fi. Like you can hear them a little bit better, right. yep. but it's just so spare and and unadorned. And man, I mean, Naked As We Came is just an, an all-timer. But I really liked Sisyphus. That's a really cool, that is a cool song. Track. I do need to listen to some more Andrew Bird. See, I we I feel none yeah. of the same compunction as Ryan Adams when I say that. It does. We, uh, it feels different to me. <laughs> we haven't. We haven't heard many singers who have a significant like tremolo effect on their voice or vibrato is the term. Mm -hmm. um, and he does have a bit of that when he holds the note. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, Andrew I'm, Bird, I'm, uh, I can sign off on this. Yep. I'm going to have to be listening more. That is the end of round one. Okay. We are ready to begin round two. The deuce. First up, Henry Jameson versus Wilco. From Henry Jameson, we get you. Do we play? Which song do we play? We heard we heard a real peach last time, so we get yeah, to I think hear we've heard two because we yeah, heard oh we've heard um, two. We that's what I that's what I was getting because he was in the by. playing round exactly. So, okay. okay, he defeated Dawes with real peach. What did he have against Lumineers? He had witness trees, which was okay. great. What's so now we next? get Dallas Love Field. Black as the kettles, the hypocrite pot. Often and more, more often than not So come here, baby In the darkening hour Riding our bikes to the dive bar at the edge of town Was it some chillin' false persona That was leading me around Well, my right hand offended me But my left hand was waving Jameson showing up with his gloves stitched, ready to fight for Wilco. Sunken treasure from being there. And I leave it on the shore. I leave it for somebody. Surely there's somebody Who needs it more than me
This is a gladiator knockdown drag out in my mind. Is that how Absolute. you're feeling right now? 110%. 110, 115%. This is like we were at a, we've been at this, we've been at the NCAA tournament. And then all of a sudden we, we walk down the street and fucking the Warriors are playing the Lakers. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this can happen in this tournament. It's so sad that one of these songs has to go. It's unbelievable. It's like it's more like we were inside a bar watching the NCAA tournament on a flat screen TV. <laughs> and then we went out to, outside to like have a cigarette. And and we and like unbeknownst to us, Henry Jameson and Jeff Tweedy had become upset with each other. And suddenly Henry Jameson pulled out a switchblade or a butterfly knife. <laughs> and Jeff Tweedy just like broke a Pabst bottle, you know, and they're they're now like fighting to the death in front of us. <laughs> Uh, man, wow. I just, both of them actually, I, okay. Few thoughts. Number one, the Henry Jameson song owes a debt to the Wilco song, or at least that his style and that era of Wilco, I'm hearing a straight line. Um, and it's a really cool era of Wilco to pull from where they're more than an Americana band, yep. but they're not quite yet an experimental indie Right. Band. This is kind of where they make the turn. This, this album. They're, they're, and it's that kind of middle space between those two where it's almost like it almost has a bit of 90s like Midwest emo to it. Uh, and, and I guess in that kind of built to spill sort of 90s indie rock, um, it's got a little bit of that DNA in it. Oh, totally. It totally does. And the, and the Henry Jameson track is taking that and kind of deconstructing that taking it further away from conventional songwriting and playing with it a bit more. And his, his like syllabic lines aren't always the same. He kind of jumps around a little bit there, starts and ends in different spots. He's just getting a little bit avant-garde with the formula. Um, but like he's pulling a lot from Wilco and he's doing this like new version of it. He also brings in like an electronic almost element. The, yes. The, those beats in the second half, at least of the portion that we listened to. And there's yeah. kind of like a droney organ thing. Yeah. Wilco, I'm struck by both of these songs that we've listened to now. They have such, when I listen on headphones or on really nice speakers, like we were listening to at your house, I don't quite know how to describe what's going on with the production value, but there's such a... It's simultaneously like everything is so closely mic'd, but also there's this real like room, room sound kind of thing where you get the impression that they're just recording live. If you've yeah. seen like that, I'm trying to break your heart, the Wilco documentary. Yeah. They have this, you know, epic, epically ambient, moody, sweet Turkish carpet bedecked, uh, like loft practice space that has every, you know, American guitar that's ever been produced in the last 50 years in it. And like 14 Hammond B3 organs and like a baby grand Incredible. piano. And it's, they're probably just in there, but it's like, there's always like three or four instruments that slowly come in, even on these really spare songs throughout and just add kind of that perfect extra subtle layer he never does the the Robin Pecknell, uh, Ryan Adams, your Chicago thing, where it's just him and his guitar. Um, at least not unless in some live settings, he, he might do that occasionally I've seen. But yeah, it's always just like a really textured recording. 
And he has such an interesting voice. He at times it's like you're not singing in tune. I don't know if you're doing that on purpose. You've you've had forty seven hundred cigarettes in the last thirty two hours. Like <laughs> I don't know. There, I think as much as there's a stylistic DNA that that you're hearing, uh, you know, a through line of, and that I won't quibble with. There, I think they're pretty they're pretty different. Maybe it's just that they're yeah they're of different generations. What are you well, gonna do here, Dan? I'm gonna give it to I'm gonna give it to Wilco. Ugh. Because yep. but it's but it's by a hair. And the reason is that in the end, for all his very alluring flash and interest, the Henry Jameson song does not have a line and a musical and lyrical moment like I am so out of tune with you. And that's not Just, even the best line from that song. Which is called Sunken Treasure and has a line that says, there is no sunken treasure. Mm. Oh, that's great, dude. But I just, There's... but it, I, I love how that I'm so out of tune with you. Like, it's so um, pithy, but not in a bad way. You know, it's, it's like, it just like sums this thing up and it's using a musical phrase to do it. And they can kind of hint at it in some of the pitch of some of the instruments playing. And it's just like... Yeah, they hit a weird piano chord right at yeah, that moment. And... It's just like a statement. It's like a one-sentence statement that is like shorthand in the way God only knows what I'd be without you. is like shorthand for like this big thing. It's economy of phrase and it's poetry. And Henry Jameson is like, he's he's making a really cool experimental documentary, but he couldn't make a Spielberg film if he had to. And that's Jeff Tweedy going, boom, here's Munich. <laughs> Spielberg did Munich, right? Yep. Okay. Just rewatched it. Um, yeah, I could, I could totally live with that. Henry, you've acquitted yourself well. Incredibly well. I would say big find for me. Like I'm, I'm diving deep. Diving deep. Dude, I'm buying oh, there's other, there's Henry other gems, Jameson dude. stock. I know. All right. Next up, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros up against Sufjan Stevens. Here is a song I like a lot, 40 Day Dream by Edward yeah. Sharp. Okay. song oh crap oh this is gonna oh, be no. rough. death with dignity oh. by sue john stevens <laughs> spirit of my silence i can hear you but i'm afraid to be near you and i don't know where to begin and i don't know 
the desert, there's a forest and an acre before us. But I don't know where to begin. But I don't know where to begin. Again, I lost my strength completely. Oh, be near me, tired old mare with the wind in your hair. Wow. Like, how do you even compare these yeah, songs with each other? Just, they're not trying to do the same thing. You know what I was talking about with Elliot Smith? How, you know, oh, that no wonder we all love him. No wonder people think of him that way. Like Sufjan is maybe the ultimate example of that thus far across all the episodes. Because he's back for a second mm. time and it's like we're hearing all different tracks than what we heard last time. We don't get any of those songs. And he's just knocking homers, straight home runs. Dingers. You know what? That's m- that's less that's less of a grand slam. That's more like a perfect game or a no hitter. That's what that man. fucking is. You know what I'm saying? That's just a that's a man with nowhere to hide, alone on the mound, throwing strikes. Uh, okay, so let's say goodbye. I mean, let's talk about that song briefly. So obviously, I got to give it to Sufjan. I mean, I it's transporting. It's um, you know, the first track on, on Carrie and Lowell. And it just lets you know, Hey guys, I know you missed me, uh, when I was, um, sampling vintage drum machines <laughs> and, and, and like the Brooklyn bridge, uh, you know, like just going where his art and heart told him trying the weirdest shit he could think of whatever he felt like doing. He's like, Hey, um, by w- by the way, I, I can still do this thing that you loved me for on seven swans 10 uh, years even, ago, but just as good or better. Exactly. I might even be able to improve upon that. And we're just like, <laughs> okay, you're the goat. You thank you. The you goat. have earned it. You're the goat. And so we'll see, he might win this whole thing. He definitely beat out Edward Sharp. Do you want to say anything about death with dignity before we, before we bid, uh, a nice, uh, Taps, well, this is we, we must we must we must pay homage to how freaking epic that Edward Sharp song was. We got to talk about that. It's great, dude. That song was so rad. Yeah, it's it is so rad. so rad. Yeah, it's just like again with the lyrical playfulness. What did he say? Shit, 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 shit. Lips like jumper cables. Sunset on her breath. I caught I I I, I caught a scent, and I was I don't even remember what he said. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's fun. And then kind of this like, you know, winking Beatles reference, magical yeah. mystery. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, dude. I know. So it's fun. it's yes. writing that line expertly. Yes. It's not veering into schmaltz. Maybe for some people it, you know, your schmaltz miles may vary person he's to person. Very, he's but. very much he gives me like sort of a yeah, like a uh a sort of pan goat god court jester kind of vibe like um peter you know <laughs> i'm, I'm the pan piper yeah. peter yeah. Fi- pan the pan the god of mischief or whatever just like oh, leading yeah, yeah, you yeah. all yeah. along in yeah. this like sort of bacchanalian hippies <laughs> yes. kind of a thing that's such a i good, love it that's i, I think I love uh, he did that on purpose and he's succeeding yes. yeah um i want them to be one of the bands that we play a track for because i would really love to play the track jangling 
which is like an all-time jam for me. I never, ever skip this song. It just, it's got such a chorus. It's from the Hit same it. record, the first record up from below. about how much of a shitty version of that of Monsters and Men is. That one felt even more that way. Ed. That's a great song. But Sue Young moves Alex. on. Yeah, okay, Alex Ebert. Let's do it. Cool, some cool solo tunes too for that guy. I've All right. Never checked out his solo work. Next up, Tallest Man on Earth versus Fruit Bats. From Tallest Man, we get Ooh, King of Spain. I like this song a lot. I never knew I was a lover Just cause I steal the things you hide Just cause I focus while we're dancing on Just cause I offered you a ride Still I am not from Barcelona No, I am not even from Madrid I am a native of the North Pole And I could mess up any kid project of his up against fruit bats absolute loser an absolute If the Edward Sharp Sufjan one was like, or the Wilco Henry Jameson one as well, were like just heavyweights going to town on each other. This one feels like the welterweight pre-fight or featherweight or something where it's like, eh, you know, I'm having yes, I'm this is what, problems this is what you with would each. call the undercard. Yeah, the undercard. I'm having some problems with each. Like with Absolute Loser, I love the vibe. It's I feel like I'm in the room with them and it's such a cool hang. People are cracking Modelo Especials. We're like, you know, it's like, 
it's a warm night in the south, you know, but not hot. And but then there's like no chorus really. And I don't, it, you know, it's it's like a it's a vibe. It's a hang, maybe more than like a song. Whereas, okay. well, let's talk about that. So and let's hear your thoughts on that track. Yeah. One of the one of the more enigmatic male voices you're gonna hear. I love his voice. Uh um I like it too. I could see it being an acquired taste for people who are just off putting yeah. one way or the other, but I yeah. just I like it. Um kind of funny, like there's kind of a funny element. I mean, you just it's it's one guy playing under the name Fruit Bats, so that kind of gives you a clue right there. But he's he yeah. kinda has this comedic winking element to a lot of his lyrics. Yeah. Uh, you know, absolute loser. <laughs> it's just, I like it. Yeah, it's um, great. But it doesn't really grab my heartstrings. Whereas, if I may transition to talking about Please. the tallest man on earth uh, track, there's just that dude. That dude is, you know, he's kind of wearing his heart on his sleeve all the time. And there's an earnest quality there. And that's probably the way he says the word you in the in the pre-chorus there is probably the closest we're going to get in this tournament to anything that you might call punk rock. You could rearrange my day. You know, it's just like there's something very. That's really interesting. I like that read. Unbridled about that. Yeah, that does. That does kind of grab me. Okay, it's not a warm summer night in the South. This guy, you know strapped on some skinny jeans and walked into a, an abandoned steel mill or wherever he was recording that. <laughs> like, but he's, he's got some kind of live wire energy to him that does a little bit more for me, at least with these two tracks. Yeah. Yeah. I am going to give it to tallest man on earth, but it's not by a mile. And I'll tell mm-mm, you why. Mm-mm. Yeah. And in fact, I think that the tournament today is helping me see something about tallest man on earth. I think that when I first heard the band or his the him, you know, the project. Yeah. I was thinking it primarily sounded to me like it's a folk singer, obviously, but the the difference is the incredible lo-fi nature of the recording. That that is essentially his sonic trademark or something like that. Signature. And I, I was in the market for that then, and I'm still in the market for that. I like a, I like lo-fi recordings. I like kind of what it, the way it fucks up the sound, and it's pleasing. But I think that now thinking about Lord Huron and the Avett brothers, this idea of like this kind of manufactured past or kind of reconstituted past, and the fact that he's Norwegian or Swedish. Um, is he Norwegian or Swedish? I think Swedish. Yeah. And and he's like consuming American art and movies and stuff like that. It It's actually kind of putting it more in that frame of light of like him recreating this golden era in, in his mind in a way that something that he's interested in anyway. And that is actually not my favorite tallest man on earth stuff. My favorite tallest man on earth stuff is when he just writes a heartbreaking melody. That's actually what I love about him. And the, all the, you know, Pamplona and the boots of Spanish leather. And I'm, I'm going to take you back to a hundred years ago. That stuff is like, it's cool. Like he does it well and I, and I'll put it on, but it's not what I love by him. And I hope we'll hear some of what I, more what I love. And if not, I'll play it as we say goodbye later or whatever. So love it's, it. go, it's going to toss man. Okay. Okay. Next up. 
Phoebe Bridgers versus Head and the Heart. From Phoebe, we get funeral. Hmm. And last night I blacked out in my car. And I woke up in my childhood bed. Wishing I was someone else. Feeling sorry for myself when I remembered someone's kid is dead. Jesus Christ, I'm so blue all the time And that's just how I feel Always have and I always will I always have and always will Holy shit. Okay, that's <laughs> up against... <laughs> that. That is just like a battle axe headed straight for the throat of the head and the heart to literally separate them from each other, <laughs> the head and the heart. <laughs> Back to that one. Oh. Phoebe is doing the separating, but here is Winter Song. Tell me something, give me hope for the night. We don't know how we feel. We're just praying that we're doing this right Though that's not the way it seems Summer gone, now winter's on its way I will miss the days we had The days we had I will miss the days we This is brutal. Here's the thing. The Head and the Heart are an incredibly special band. I, I can't always describe it. You talked earlier about Robin Pecknold from Fleet Foxes, how he just has it such mm -hmm. that he can have a career forever if he wants to. I feel the same way about John, mm. mainly his voice, but I also mm -hmm. think he's a very good songwriter. But, you know, I, I don't ever want this band to break up. I, I think that actually... The, my two favorite things about Head and the Heart are John's voice and the the rhythm section and leading the instrumentation. The instrumental arrangements of this indie folk band's songs are way above their pay grade. They are way more interesting than they need to be. They are always so s clever and doing just enough. And it's just, it's like an unspoken hero kind of a thing. And they're a really special band, and I really love them. But they're not going to beat Funeral by Phoebe Bridgers. <laughs> they can't. Oh, man. If Blitz and Trapper are pinned down by a handful of Navajo scouts, I feel like the head and the heart are just climbed out of the trench and walked into no man's land, and somebody opened up with a fifty caliber machine gun. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I have essentially the exact same feeling I had the first round when it's like just kind of a slack jaw how feeling when you listen to one of her songs how how can every line how how can how can it be how can those lyrics be that good yeah you're only like 24 22 or something when you wrote that oh my gosh I woke up in my childhood bed 
and I was feeling for my sorry for myself, and then I remembered someone's kid is dead. Oh my gosh! And then I don't think I'd I'd really gr- like sort of fully grasped that whole string section that underlies the second half of that verse, which yeah. is really cool. I don't really have anything else to say. She's so talented. Yeah. I really wish she was not now also a celebrity. I think that she's near the top of the list of people for whom or artists for whom knowing, seeing them so often in my Instagram feed and like stuff about her and boy genius and all their like kind of their sort of whole public persona, which I think is a really big part of that band's success. Um, but does not speak to me. I'm, it's not really for me. I'm too old, right? For 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 that stuff to be aimed at me. Because when I just hear her songs and I'm just closing my eyes and it's not an Instagram video clip, you know, right. it's like, right. I'm just like, holy shit. She would be our Elliot Smith if we didn't know anything about her. If she was reclusive, like the neutral milk hotel guy. If Phoebe Bridgers was J.D. Salinger, in her personality and wrote those songs, she would actually be more famous. (laughs) She would be like, well, I don't know she's probably world famous now, but like, you know, like that would be, it would feel like it was coming from another fucking planet. But I just like see her like, you know, on Instagram every day. (laughs) And so it's like, it's weird. It's weird. That's one, that's one benefit of not being on social media i have that experience all i know is oh, this record uh, these two it. records describe so that to us that's all i know well i've already described it it's just this <laughs> slack john feeling of how can somebody possibly do this and yeah. i don't you know i don't really want to know i'm sure she has on some level people with whom she's doing some of the co-writing but i get the impression she's writing those lyrics and oh no doing, i think she's doing a lot of the arranging so no, it's just like i think she's the talent crap. in the room yeah, yeah. they're Ow. writing with her. Uh, they're writing with her, not she's writing with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's so amazing. Yeah, wow. Incredible. Okay. So let's talk about the head and the heart then as we say let's goodbye. Let's talk about the head and the heart. Yeah. I think that they are a somewhat maligned band. And maybe mm. that's in part because they're local to where I live. Okay. And that like it's kind of, it's perceived as not cool. They're, mm. you know, they, they kind of went the like, we're going to play with Dave Matthews route. They kind of went the like, not the indie sub pop route. And some of their future records have delved quite a bit into sort of like contemporary pop, essentially adult oriented pop. And And now they must be punished. And and yes, it is kind of like that, right? Like, well, we wanted them to succeed, but only if they stayed really cool, you know? And it's the worst impulse. It's the worst. Yeah. And, and I recognize it. And, you know, I do think that there are things that could be better artistically, maybe like sure. specifically lyrics. Okay. But melodically and then like in the the instrumental arrangements and recordings and mixings of their records to me always sound like so cool and good. They're not like super experimental, but they are right. just really well done. And then I talked about the arrangements already. I just can't believe it. They, um, they're just a great, great, you know, five piece band or whatever, however many instruments they have yeah. uh, at full strength. I, I think I will let your statement, um, 
I'm not going to write a dissenting opinion here. I'm going to let you write for the majority. So I'm just going <laughs> to let that, let that stand. Okay. Should we hear one more, one more head in the heart song as we say yeah. goodbye? Are they, I yeah. think they're worthy of that honor. Do it. Hit it. This is a song that I was like, I don't know if I'm going to, speaking of a pop direction, let's, let's veer for a minute. Cause it's kind of a fun thing Go they do. It. And here's all we ever knew, which is written for radio and, Succeeded. 131 million streams on Spotify. Will, will my love, we've been here before. Don't drag me through this again. We tried everything under the sun. Now I'm trying to wake up from this. I'm trying to make up for it. All we ever do is all. Some will say to themselves, Ben, is that not the same thing we heard from Iceland and of Monsters and Men? I will say nay. It is not nay. the same thing. No. Nay. This is the real artifact. How is it that, to my memory, what I'm about to say is the first connection that's overtly been made between two guys who did the 90s punk tournament, that this entire scene has... Uh, a recurring gang vocal element. There's a there's a gang yeah. vocal element that a bunch of these more like pop, you know, and it's and it's always in conjunction with a it's a wordless, you know, it's like hey ho, hey. La, yeah. la 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 la. la, la. la. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's never they're never right. shouting, you know, like kill the queen or fuck you or something. It's just yeah. like ha 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 ha. I I think I might not be in the majority of like more indie listeners in really enjoying the head and the heart. I, I think that for me, they're right on that line where it's clean and natural, yep. but it's warm and like really well put yes. to tape or whatever. Totally. And John's voice, I mean, John's voice on that song, like he could sing me, I don't know. A, a scary medical diagnosis, and I would just be like, "Thank you for singing to me, sir." You've got Alzheimer's. <laughs> His voice is just like it, I, I'm. I'm so jealous that he was born with those vocal cords. There it's are a place. handful of those people. He's he's in the top ten people for me. That I'm just like, man, fuck you for that. That would that must be nice. Um, and I'm glad that he's used them and become a great songwriter too. So. Man, love the head and the heart, and I will stand for them all day. Heck yeah. So that's going to be it for round two. We will come back. <laughs> and I promise to myself and you, the listeners, we will finish this thing in, ra in round three, part three, rather. Uh, wow, this has been really fun. <laughs>